0: This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by University Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at @IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Welcome to Truth Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm McKemini. and I'm Michelle. This table is built by black women and for black women. So welcome to the table, M. How you doing, girl? Hey, I'm well,
1: well. Faking it till I make it, but you know. How are you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Faking it until we make it is right. Okay. (laughs) It's it's all we have. (laughs) This. This is what we got. This is mm-hmm. where we are. This mm-hmm. is where we are. Um, but y'all, we are uh back in our U O K Sis series. Right. You know, we had a little bit of um, a little bit of a reprieve when we did the Clark Sisters episode, of course, with uh, with uh, Christine Swanson and Camille Tucker at the table. we know the sisters enjoyed that episode? Uh, and then we went through uh with our black girl magic episode with Christia Donaldson like so we you know we giving y'all a little bit of a break but we feel like it's time for us to come back of course to the matters at hand uh which is covid-19 and so what is on yeah. the table today is um our elderly neighbors and COVID nineteen, and so for us to discuss this um, very important topic, we thought it was important for us to bring someone to the table that actually um, helps to serve our elderly neighbors, and that is Omar Lyles. Welcome to the table, Omar. How you
2: doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I am actually pleased to actually uh, be on with you guys. Um, I am just <laughs> excited and, and so motivated because I, I, I've just been counting down the time. <laughs> just to be on with y'all because y'all are my favorite i've been following y'all for about like a year
0: oh awesome wow wow hey well we are happy the time is now (laughs) we're so happy and honored uh, to have you at the table and y'all and y'all just in case you don't know who omar lyles is I'm going to tell you a little something about this brother, okay? Um, Omar Lyles is a certified dementia practitioner with the National Council of Certified Dementia Practitioners, Certified Montessori Dementia Professional with the International Council of Certified Dementia Practitioners, and a graduate of New York Divinity School with a Master of Religion and Doctorate in Ministry with an emphasis in pastoral leadership at Andersonville Theological Seminary and a substitute adjunct professor at New York Divinity School. He has worked in long-term care for 22 years in recreation and taught Alzheimer's and dementia to members of the community, provided workshops and seminars in small groups and churches. He is presently training with the College of Pastoral Supervision and Psychotherapy for Clinical Chaplaincy and Pastoral Counseling Certification and has been accepted for a second doctoral program from the Graduate Institute of the College of Pastoral Care, he is a former State Chaplaincy Ministry Director at United Chaplain International Worldwide Outreach Inc. He is a recent member of National Association of Christian Ministers and an MIT Minister in Training at Shiloh Baptist Church under the Reverend Dr. Brantley. Welcome to the table, Omar Lyles. Yay. Oh, yes.
2: thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So Omar, I mean I guess the first question for you is really uh how did you become interested or drawn to work within uh with regard to dementia and Alzheimer's?
2: Uh well you know a couple of years, well now say a couple of years I would say many years ago I was uh just getting out of high school and I started volunteering actually at the VA hospital for uh veterans. Um and uh, just volunteering around the elderly, uh, which had caused me to actually have a lot of compassion for senior citizens, and so uh, my compassion and uh, my love for senior citizens and long-term care facilities—not only just not just long-term facilities, uh, but also like hospitals and just the elderly. Period. And so that right there have put me in the mindset of working with uh, elderly people.
1: Mm. Amen. Amen. I wonder how um you would describe seeing and experiencing when you work with the elderly. How do you experience that pastorally? Um, we know that you're certified to give them care for their bodies, for their well-being, but Uh, How do you view your work as spiritual? Because you're a minister in training and you obviously devote all of your time to studying to uh, pastor people as well. Um, How do you view, how do you really feel uh, God's presence, God's mission when you're caring for our elders?
2: Oh, wow. Um, You know what? I I think uh, how I pretty much deal with them from a pastoral uh, perspective is that um, it takes a lot of humility. And it takes a, a, a lot of patience, um, working with a lot of senior citizens, because many of them have different personalities. However, from a spiritual level, you deal with them for where wherever they are and whatever state that they're actually in, uh, because we have to recognize that um, these elderly people were once young people. And... Uh, and a lot of elderly people have, uh, they have personalities and they have feelings. Um, and so many of them are now at their lowest points in their lives because they would never think that they would actually get to this level or progress to a certain point in their lives where they would feel that, uh, that they can no longer help themselves uh, because they are on the decline or on the verge of death. And so my, my observation is that when I come in, encounter with a, with a resident, that's what we call them. We call them residents, uh, rather than patients because most of the time in hospitals, they refer you to as, as patients, but in long-term care facilities, um, they would consider them to be residents because they are more valued as people and it's really their home. And so um, I I come in with a humble experience. Uh, Senior citizens are probably the most uh, awesome experience that I have worked with anybody, um, no matter what I did, Um, simply because when I worked in even uh, volunteering in the education uh, area, um, it was different than children. Because the experience that I have received from them was a lot of wisdom uh, and a lot of tools that I take with me in my journey as I begin to work every day. I mean, I've worked with a lot of uh, seniors who have uh, experienced a lot of racism up in the South. I had one senior citizen mm-hmm. that almost was killed and he was running from the Suu Klu- Klan back in the 40s. And his father was actually murdered and they actually told him to flee town. So he came up north. And Mm -hmm. uh, I've met seniors who marched with Dr. King, um, who I had one who uh, uh, was a former uh, fighter pilot um, in in World War Two. I have so many uh, awesome experiences that um, I had Sonny Bippen. He was my uh, from the Manhattan. He was one of my patients at the facility. Um, lots of celebrities. We, we have some celebrities too. But my spiritual experience <laughs> is that I feel that a lot of senior citizens um, give me a lot of hope because where they have come from and the, the persistent work that they have put in for our lives to where we are now, we can do the same. And I feel mm. that Many of them have a faith really good. That, um, uh, that that sort of like proceeds ours. Because, for example, uh, many of them know that they're actually going to die. So they give me hope at the same time because I know that there is a heaven. But they're, they're strong in their belief because they know that they're going to pass away today or tomorrow.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow! Wow! Yeah, thank you so much for that, Omar. I was actually going to ask yeah. you about just kind of like, uh, maybe we could dive in even deeper about kind of what the what the their faith perspective even looks like, right, toward the sunset, you know, um, of their lives. I guess I'm curious right now, um, and maybe this this could probably coincide even with this question, but I'm wondering uh, from your own day to day experience, how is it? Um, how is COVID-19 impacting, um, this population, you know, um, this, this precious population of these elders who have this rich history, rich experience. Um, how would you, how on the day to day in your work, how are you seeing this, um, virus impact them
2: and in your work? Wow. You know what? Um, I I would say it's a, the the, the experience that I received is unlike any other experience that I've received out of all the years I have worked in the field, simply because there's a sense of fear and um, and, and it's also a feel of death. And sometimes that feel is sort of imminent and you can feel it because uh, there's a closeness that I have with other seniors. And some of them feel that they are going to die because they're on this COVID unit. And mm. not only it impacts the seniors, but it also impacts the employees. Because sometimes the employees have a fear of being in contact with another uh, senior citizen because they don't want to die as well. Wow. And sometimes, a lot of times, mm-hmm. we as Christians, we boast about our faith on a day-to-day basis. But when it comes down to close to death, sometimes they pull back on it a little bit. And say, like, oh, well, I don't have that much faith, you know, <laughs> because I have to go and attend to this patient, you know. So, I, I think that right like, there is the fear of dying, the fear of, of, I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. And that if something happens to me or if I get sick, I may not see next week. Because you may have, you may, if you're married, you got children, you know, you got to put bread on the table, you got to put food on the table. So, they come with those perspectives in mind. Because they're they they want to protect themselves and they also wanna protect the families that they're going home to. But for the residents who have no families at all, this sense there's a sense of loss of hope. And there's are there are some residents who are very strong in their faith and no matter what happens, they know that they have a place to go. And that ultimate place to go is in heaven and to be with followers and Jesus Christ. And so I, I look at both of those those situations. And I sort of like try to balance myself out, but I come in with a perspective that um, I'm living for Christ and I'm coming in as a, as a servant who's serving a, a resident in a facility who is in need of dire help. No matter what position a person has, you're all one when you're coming inside a facility and you're working to help one another. But the climate I would say um, it, it's very dark sometimes because um, everyone is very gruesome um, about the area that they're working in. Some of them are very tired. Um, I had a, um, an employee that actually passed away from my facility. We had some employees who came very sick as wow. well. Um, we wow. have people who tested positive. Mm-hmm. and uh by extension of that even families that we've come in contact with at covid at the same time so um mm-hmm. it is it's a very um tough environment to actually be in right now but you have to be very strong
1: wow oh, man this thank is you, man. um i mean obviously you are one of the essential workers that people continue to say thank you and i think it's It's worth repeating here. We are so thankful and we're so blessed by your ministry. And um, I just want to be honest with you, the humility that you practice in loving on and receiving people who the Lord says God loves. Right. Jesus reminded us and most of (laughs) scripture, um, when it expresses who are we supposed to pay attention to, it reminds us to look out. For our elders, um, our ancient ones who need and, and crave uh, love and attention, and I'm I'm so thankful that you had time to talk to us. I would love to know what would you say to so many people like me and E and our listeners who are wondering how can we encourage you? How can we pray and? Um, how could we even do more than that? How can we pray with our hands and our feet when we think about this really vulnerable population? What what would you tell us that we should do?
2: Uh, w- what I would tell you is um, just just maintain yourself and remain in your faith. Be consistent um, about how you feel as a Christian and what makes a Christian. Um, and just go into it with a, um, uh, with a sense of hope. And to me, hope is, is, is powerful because, um, uh, because hope is something that we look toward the future. But I don't look at hope simply as something for the future. I look at the hope that we actually have now, that we can actually give to other people at the same time. Because there's a transfer to me of hope as well, because if I come in with hope and knowing that uh, I am a man of faith, they are going to more than likely have hope as well. They, they're they going to have the faith that, hey, if he can come in here and see me at his, at his level, then I'm going to have the hope that one day I am going to be with my Lord and Savior. But be working in this kind of environment, it just gives me, uh, it just gives me the feel that um, I have a duty and obligation toward residents who need my help. So, but I would say to the general population, re- continue to read scripture, continue to follow after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And after all the disciples and what they have gone through in life and, and uh, them being persecuted, uh, many of uh, the uh, uh, individuals who had uh, from the Hall of Faith have gone through turbulent times. Uh, when you look at those kinds of situations, look at it in this perspective. Look at it from a perspective that um, even though I am in this flesh, I have an opportunity one day to uh, give my testimony of what I've actually been through. Because we all go through a lot of day to day situations. However, we as a people of God ought to be a light to the world. And I would tell you, continue being the light, even in the times of, of, of tribulation, because we're all going to actually going to go through it. Now, we as a people of God have to continue to pray, continue um, continue to love your family, continue to love yourself or who you are, and to love yourself because, and have the understanding that God loves you no matter what. And so you're going to come out, you, we're all going to come out of this, and we're going to have to have some sort of faith in order to bring us through. However, if we come to the point where we are depressed, And I know that many people are, and it's very natural to feel like that because many of our seniors are not able to see their families. So what we do is that we have this uh, FaceTime, we use FaceTime so that they can actually see them because there are no outsiders to actually come in the building. Um, And they're actually detached from all that. So when they see us, they're like, oh, wow, somebody's coming to visit me. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm not coming in there as an employee. I come in as mm-hmm. a brother. I come in in Christ. I come in mm-hmm. the presence mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as one who is a part of the body of Christ. Well, I would say just have faith and say "Strong."
0: That's so, so good. Why don't we go ahead and um, take a break and then we're going to pick back up and ask Omar just a little bit more about just the day to day. What does it mean to walk in, um, not as an employee, but to walk in as a brother in Christ? What does that look like? Uh, So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Have you ever felt too progressive for conservatives, but too conservative for progressives? Christians often feel like they are forced to choose between social justice and biblical values. And it's easy to become disillusioned with civic engagement or even fall back into tribal extremes. This state of affairs has damaged the Christian public witness and divided the church. The authors of the new book, Compassion and Conviction, represent the and campaign, which exists to educate and organize Christians for faithful civic and cultural engagement. They make the biblical case for how it is possible to engage the political process with both love and truth, compassion and Conviction. And we have an exclusive offer for our Truth Table listeners. You can save 40% off on Compassion and Conviction, the AND Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement by Justin Gibbony, Michael Ware, and Chris Butler when you use the promo code TRUTH20. That's promo code TRUTH20 when you purchase Compassion and Conviction at ivypress.com. And we are back. Uh, Omar, you know, you were talking about how uh, when you enter in, you know, to the nursing care facility and and um, and and the fact that the uh, the residents cannot see their family members in person. Right. Um, and so oftentimes they're only connected to them via FaceTime or, or the only visit that they see is from you. Right. And you said that you referred to yourself not as an employee, but as a brother. Um in Christ who's coming uh, to come and visit them. And I'm curious uh, to know what your day-to-day looks like. What does it look like for you to enter into the care facility? Do you wear PPE? Do you get to hold their hand? What is that? Can you talk to our listeners at the table, our sisters at the table and and explain to them what your day-to-day looks like as um, one who enters in and uh, walks alongside our elderly neighbors during this time of COVID?
2: uh well d- d- during this time uh as i would say at the beginning stage uh we wasn't really wearing the ppe but as uh, i would say like somewhere to like the beginning of march um we started wearing it as it sort of like as it intensified um um and then uh, this a lot of the facilities were actually on high alert And so the day to day operations is that when you first come into the building, come in the building, uh, you go to your designated areas uh, when you actually punch in. And then when you hit the floor, that's when you actually put on the PPE equipment. I mean, uh, it's just like you're going into going into the army. And um, before, when you get on the battlefield, you're putting up, you're putting your, your, your bag, you're putting your gun on, your weapons, you're loading yourself up like Rambo. And this is what we do every single day. Uh, we wearing our shit face shields, our our, our hand gloves, um, we wear our gowns. We sometimes we wear different kinds of gowns because different gowns are more effective than others. And just as well as the face shields. And the masks, um, such as the N95 masks, we wear those as well. And so um, uh, in the facility, uh, uh, there are lots of different kinds of equipment that the nurses actually use. um, And uh, a lot of the employees, as a matter of fact, all the employees, uh, even uh, those who are not even nurses, are actually uh, wearing the PPE equipment as well.
1: Wow. That's amazing. You said, um, gearing up like Rambo, I cackled, <laughs> <But> <laughs> really <laughs> This is It's got a warfare. I was also thinking about the, um, the whole armor, you know, like how, how do these different pieces of equipment that you're putting on, um, how does that make you kind of Feel more like, okay, the weapons of this world, for sure, they're not what we're using to fight. But in some ways, this is really about protection. And I've been thinking a lot about some of our family in the faith, talking about um, different opinions um, <laughs> that are against the facts. And Truth Table has done a lot of work to let people know that we believe that the Spirit of God is a fan of science. Um, and so what what do you say? Do you have loved ones and friends who might argue with you about COVID-19 being a hoax or some of you know, are you dealing with some of the myths, um, especially uh, in the faith community about this whole thing? You've seen it firsthand. You're wearing the gear. How do you talk to your people in the communities of faith who don't really believe that? we need to protect ourselves even outside of medical facilities. What would you say to to break down some of the myths that are going around?
2: Uh, wow, uh, this is very, very interesting because um, it, it, I, I want to laugh, but then I really don't at the same time because it's really a serious matter. Uh, uh, when this had first broke out, um, the conspiracy theorists, Theories, theorists out there, um, they rush to actually put their stuff out, throw out their information, you know, toward the general public. And you'll see, uh, many of the different kinds of theories, um, that's pretty much swirling around the internet. And one of the, one of the things that I have seen, uh, was that those who were in, uh, working in the healthcare field were part of the conspiracy. And that those who were in the healthcare field were actually actors and that people weren't really dying. And then the second one was that black people weren't getting it up until when black people started getting it, then the narrative started changing. <laughs> you know, so right, that right there right. had, had <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen a lot of that. And so I said, what do you mean black people aren't getting it? Black people are actually dying <laughs> and, and, and getting COVID-19. And so um, uh, the thing about that, they are actually actors, you know, uh, which was more like a slap in the face to me because I, being that I work in a field, uh, for anybody to say that I'm an actor or like I was auditioning uh, for a part in a movie, you know, like yeah. in a Dookie Housing yeah. movie or something of that nature, and that we were working for the FBI and the government. But then uh, their own perspective started changing when they start seeing their parents, their loved ones, and their friends die. And then I had some people who were conspiracy theorists who changed 360 and said, oh, wow, this is really real. I didn't know. Uh, one of the other myths uh, that, is, um, that has been going on is the microchipping of people. Um, as far as the testing, I was testing myself. Um, uh, the test is just much more like the rapid flu test. Uh, same thing. Uh, when you're testing for the COVID nineteen, there's a long stem, like like a little stick with a, um, like a long Q tip, and they stick it up your nose. And many of them were trying to say that the microchip was implanted inside the, the, you know, the um, the Q tip, and it's pushed up your nose, which is not true. Um, it's pretty much uh, a Q tip. That's pretty much a uh, uh, a lot of. Uh, A lot of it just goes pretty much inside of a little tube and then it's taken actually back, sent back to the laboratory, you know, for testing. And then it will come back positive or negative. It's just like any other blood test. And so um, a lot of those myths are actually swirling around on the internet and people actually believe it. Um, Viruses um, that are, that they are saying that's part of the mask. And if you wear a mask for a certain couple of days, that you're automatically going to get the virus because the mass signals signals and it goes inside your body and you'll get the virus that way. And so I think that a lot of those who are conspiracy theorists, to me, I consider it more of the new religion. Um, What was trending as, uh, as a faith community was the Hebrew Israelites. Well, the conspiracy theorist groups are to me the new religion of today because there are masses amount of people who are on social media who are actually pushing these narratives on social media. And they're, they're very hard to get through because they're so bent on government conspiracies. And so the myth out there is that we are actually part of the conspiracy and that um, we're actually working for the federal government in that kind of matter.
0: My God. I tell you, Mm. the myths do not cease. Conspiracy Mm. theories really they don't know it. There's sequels, there's plot twists, you know, you know, there's always some sort of an an addendum. It's like, wait, what? No, it wasn't black people. We said these people, you know, or these certain black people don't get it. It's like, Oh my gosh. So thank you Omar for just taking the time to, um, you know, just, just to lift up some of those, uh, theories. And of course, to, um, render them false, um, Because it's really important because of the the level of disinformation or misinformation, I should say, that's uh, going around um, can really cost lives um, at this point and at this juncture when there's so much that we still don't know that even experts don't know about uh, the novel coronavirus. So getting the right information, getting the facts are really, really important. Um, as as Em said, you know, the, the, the spirit loves science. It's a common grace good, mm-hmm. and we thank God um, for it. And so I'm wondering, um, Omar, just from your own perspective, there's a couple of questions I want to ask you, but I'm curious about how you felt when, um, when initially when the pandemic started and people At least there was a lot of emphasis, right, on high risk, the high risk population, 65 and older. And um, there was a lot of talk about just sacrificing um, their lives so that the economy could keep going. And, uh, you know, they're at the end of their lives, like almost as if their lives don't matter. I'm curious about how you Mm. felt Mm, um, mm. about that narrative that was um, being pushed uh, just, you know, particularly in the media and just um, all over the place and uh, even among politicians, right? I'm curious about just how you felt about that as one who works closely with that high-risk population.
2: Uh, I I see this as as people who are very prideful and selfish. Um, And these are individuals uh, who probably... Probably don't have any family uh, or any relatives or friends who have actually contracted the virus. And so um, as you as, as I noticed that a lot of people who live out Midwest and a lot of those who may live out like toward, going toward the West um, and they live in a lot of open states. I remember uh, reading about uh, the state of Wyoming barely having any cases of the coronavirus well number one if people look at it the state of wyoming is a very large state and the population is very small and it's very open space so of course there's going to be barely anybody contracting the virus versus if you were to live here in the northeast as you were living in the state of new york or living in new jersey because everyone's close together and so, but these businesses um, shows that uh, that they, they care more about their financial goods, uh, uh, their properties, their houses, uh, and, and, and money. I would say because money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. That they put uh, money over their soul. Now, uh, we look at, if we look in the book of Revelation that you'll see uh, the mark of the beast that was given to all those who worship the beast and who follow after the Antichrist. And there's uh, going to be actually uh, some financial disasters that's going to be going on. And so uh, with that being said, uh, this is more of an eye opener to see how people actually could respond uh, when this actually happens. And so people are not really caring about the future in Christ, being with Christ. Uh, Those who reject Christ, those who uh, feel that there is no heaven and that there is no hell, but they would rather think about the now in terms of uh, what's going to benefit me in, in this world, in this timeline that I am now living in. Uh, this space that I am living in, and so I'm not thinking about my family, my friends, or their salvation. I'm thinking about my own, my own self, my own flesh. What's gonna make me make more money? And I'm willing to put my business, um, over the lives of other people, because um, if you're not making any money and you're not rich, then you're gonna start losing. Uh, your status in the world losing your status in society and that scares a lot of people wow. especially people who are very rich and, and and powerful who sit in high positions disregarding people uh, uh, who doesn't make uh, as much as them and those who, who who live without so I think that people are in a place where they really just don't care you know and they're gonna wind up worshiping, the Antichrist, following the, following the Antichrist because they are all in collusion with the Antichrist. They're going to be in collusion with, uh, uh, with the enemies, uh, with those who are following uh, the Antichrist itself. They're actually enemies of God. They're not working on our behalf. But we have a Savior. We have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that will deliver us from any trial or tribulation that comes against us in this life. And uh, and when anything happens to us, God will be our provision. Even in the times of distress, turmoil, and tribulation, we can go through it. A lot of times they're talking about opening up the churches. The churches have never been closed. We've always been open as people. We are the temple of we are the temple of God. We are not the building. If we look at this from a theological perspective, we are living lights. We are vessels of God. We are the church. We are a collective within the body of Christ. We're not the building. We are detached from the physical building. Now we go to the building in order to practice as Christians, practice worshiping our worshiping and our faith uh, to the glory for the glory of God, and that's what we do inside those buildings because we have the freedom to worship the freedom to express our our our, our faith, uh, to read the word of God. But we are not the actual physical building we are in the body of Christ.
1: Amen. Amen. And I think it is absolutely true that the discussion, I mean, even the thought, I'm so glad the committee brought that up because, I mean, it just seems like 20 years ago that we were even having this talk about sacrificing our elderly beloved yep. to a disease. and I just think that it's important for us to pause and to say that is murder. That is right. against God and that would be murder. And so to to know and to believe and to cling to the mission of God for people whose lives someone else decided was over. Um, God's mission is still heavy with them in God's favor is heavy upon them. And I, I do believe that people who sacrifice their time, like you, our brother, um, folks like you who are sacrificing their time to care for people that society often forgets because we, you know, like you said, we're not not seeing them quote unquote produce. I think that was a really good point. But what, what happens to those like you who sacrifice so much of their time? What happens when it's time for them to receive rejuvenation, healing, and health? I mean, you really are in a pro-life battle. And I just wonder how you are able to do and to practice self-care so that you can stay healthy, so your your spirits can stay lifted? And like you were telling us to hold on to hope, (laughs) what are some of the things that you do to hold on to hope um, so that you can continue to fight the good fight?
2: I'm going to be very, very, very honest with you. And I'm going to come from me being uh, a Christian does not mean that um, I am incapable of having any kind of feelings about my life, um uh as a human being, because we all are human beings. We cut and we bleed. Uh like everybody else, especially those who are in ministry, like we're not super uh human beings. And so what I do is that I, I, I devote myself to prayer um and just making sure. Uh, we we can never actually be sure uh, during this time because uh, God knows us and He knows when uh, our lives will end because there's a timetable and there's a day that everybody uh, that is uh, that is appointed to die and we don't know if we're going to live today or tomorrow. But what I do is that I just pray and hope that God will see me through and give me me the hope that I will live to see another day because you don't know. You can pray for the now and pray for tomorrow because God doesn't have to allow us to live today if he don't want to because he's that powerful that he could take his hand off of you anytime he wants to. But what I do, I pray to God to keep his hands covered over me, keep his hands on me, you know, uh, in, in, in this world. Um, we all want to go to heaven, but we have a mission down here on earth as well. You know, we can we can give people a, a heavenly experience by giving people hope to. But for me, I, I try to gear myself up when I come in and I already understand the reality that if I take on this role, as a long-term care care holder, a uh, helper, worker, I am coming in here with a sense of uh, 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 of of hope, a sense of of uh, strength and encouragement. You know, just by just reading the word of God and just reading about other people's testimonies and listen to other people's testimony and look what they have gone through. Because other people, they have come out of it. Some people are no longer negative. I mean, no longer positive. Uh, some of my friends who are who are nurses had once test positive; they're now negative now, and they've able to been able to make it through. So what I do pretty much is, is just pray, and uh, I go about my business and work and do my job, you know, and know that I'm a servant of, of Christ, you know. So if if you keep yourself in that position, um, you're pretty much. Um, Oh, boy. Whew, this is this is kind of deep, even for me to say, because I take this very, very personal. Uh, I spoke mm-hmm. to actually my mother the other day as well. And I told her mm-hmm. that uh, we were testing uh, for the coronavirus because she's even fearful for my own life because she wants to know when I come home tomorrow. No one never knows. But God mm-hmm. knows where we will be in the latter end or wherever we uh, will be in our lives. You know, if I pass away day tomorrow, I know that I'll have a place in heaven reserved for me. Uh, So what I do is I just pray every single day. And uh, I have my congregation, uh, not my congregation, but the church that I belong to praying over me as well. And um, and just reading the word of God. And that's pretty much um, what I do.
1: Amen. And I I truly believe that, as you were saying, so much of what we have to cling to is um, what other people do for us, which is pray and um, keep us in mind. um, Remember us not only in prayer, but in phone calls. I'm so glad you were able to get in touch with your church. To connect connected with family. Um, what are the things that you do to really lift the burden of, like you were saying, even fear about death? How, how are you lifting that burden and seeing God's presence in laughter and joy? Like, are you binging anything funny on Netflix? Um, what are some of, are you able to keep up with friends, um, calling folks and just saying, hey, send me a, Send me a video of kittens. Uh, I mean, I've been watching Church of Laughs recently. <laughs> and, uh, just missing mm-hmm. Church for sure, but definitely laughter has been a really good medicine. What are some of the things that are helping to make your spirits bright?
2: I, I love watching like Jew Three Project and a lot of other ones. Oh, uh, wow. Vince, Vince Bantu, he's a buddy of mine. We were actually going to teach Wonderful. together at a at oh, an organization goodness. out here. But those are just some of the things. Um, but right now I can't do the really fun things that I really want to because we're like, you know, boxed right. up right now. So those are just some of the things that I've been just keeping myself up with.
0: That's great, Omar. Thank you. And it's so good um, for our listeners to hear that even though your, your, um, your work and your calling, I would say, you know, is a heavy one, it's a hard one. Um, that you have joy and that you're just doing the regular things that we all do too, right? Finding finding moments, you know, whether it's laughing at TikToks, you know, for you or watching, you know, Cece's videos or calling your friends, taking a walk, you know, uh, we have to find those moments that give us a release, that give us um, um, some moments to breathe and relax. And so thank you so much for just opening up your life uh, to us, opening up your work, and to us in lifting up uh are the the value right um and the worth and dignity of our elderly neighbors um particularly the ones that you know that you work with every day whom you go in and um and and speak to and minister to we really appreciate your work Omar we really do Um, And at this time, if there's anything that you would like our listeners to know about um, with regard to your work or any of the organizations that you're a part of, this is your time to talk to our sisters at the table um, and let them know about what you do and how they can follow you and your work. So please talk to the sisters at the table.
2: Okay. Um, If people want to uh, see more about me, um, they can go to um, Agape Love Network pretty much. Uh, Agape Love Network is actually a Christian uh, social group uh, uh, that, meets and ple- that meets and greets in various places. Uh, we are a group for singles and couples that come together. Uh, they can uh, look up for me on uh, our website at www.agapelovenetwork.net. We are actually on Instagram and Facebook. So those who want to look at me, they can uh, find me on that area as well. We're also on YouTube uh, at Agape Love Network, LLC. So those are just some of the things that I'm involved, involved with uh, actually at the moment. Uh, we've been around for, I would say, about like six and a half years. Uh, and so those who are single, uh, those who are married, uh, can actually be a part of our network. And we pretty much go on like trips. We meet and greet in various places. And we've uh, discussed many various issues uh regarding single people and those who are in relationships, uh married and, and engaged as well. So those are just some of the things pretty much that I've been involved with for the past couple of years. But if anybody want to find me on any one of those platforms, they're more more than welcome to do so.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Omar. We really appreciate it. Um, And of course, we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about uh, you okay sis our elderly neighbors and COVID 19 using the hashtag truth table follow us on twitter and instagram at truth table or email us your thoughts at ask at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review the show on itunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player truth table has a patreon account now so you can send your love offerings to patreon.com truth table or you can bless us at our paypal which is paypal.me slash truth table truth table is made possible in part by potisteri studios visit potisteri.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment our producer for the show is joshua heath our executive producer is bo york and we have been your hosts Akemini, michelle and christina we'll see you soon on the next truth table bye y'all